0: Why are the way they way, why are they the way they are being atheist one of the most atheistic nation in the world and so extensive research using various research methods helped me to identify a very small section of uh, the Czech worldview related to uh, the present attitudes towards God Christianity church and uh, religion and faith and I was also able to learn about the worldview schizophrenia that Czechs have. Along the way, I realize one cannot learn or grasp one's own worldview, and even more so someone else's. Nevertheless, it has become a unique journey to research and trace the hidden assumptions that make people feel, think, and behave in certain way. I need to make a disclaimer. The more study of worldview I'm uh, exploring, the more questions I have. This term worldview is not even used in the Bible, although we may find texts that describe or allude to something we would call worldview. Also there appears to be confusion among scholars about what does the term worldview actually mean with all treatment of and reference to the term worldview. It is important to provide clear definition of worldview describing what do we mean by the term? Various scientists, dis- uh, various scientific disciplines may also use different definitions. Some suggest we no longer use the term worldview and work with a completely different concept. However, I find still helpful in trying to understand factors that influence our thinking, feeling and behavior and how we can influence it back. It is a concept that has occupied philosophers and thinkers for a long time and although we provide a few definitions and list a few of those who studied this topic, our purpose is just to provide example and illustration, uh, not to uh, have a ex- uh, complete list. Yeah. You, are, you see a list of a few disciplines and scholars that studied the issue of a worldview. And then there are a few definitions. You've heard enough definitions today, so I will skip it. I just want to say what I'm f- finding, what is discomforting to me, that the many definitions are incomplete and misleading, okay? There is one from our former colleague and teacher, Dr. Danal Canale, who presented uh, something which I still believe is incomplete. It was at the annual council, and uh, he said that worldview is an ensemble of ideas about reality that, because of their general nature and broad scope, conditions entire range of human thought and action. Which is not really complete. Okay. As we look at this topic, we may think of a a discipline, a doctrine of worldview, worldviewology. Uh, and we look at all the co- list of different studies that have been done, and this is not exclusive. This is limited the list of uh, different studies just in the last century that actually uh, br- uh, brings us uh, respect. And so, let's review at least a few. Uh, what is it? Let Let's review at least a few theories that work with worldview. And the close to my heart, of course, is missiology. And so we have uh, Dr. Hebert who spoke about three elements when he talked about worldview. One element is affective assumptions, existential assumptions, and evaluative assumptions. And often we become aware of our own worldview only when we live deeply in another culture and then return to view our own culture through outside eyes with a different belief and value system. That's what he said and I believe that's true. Craft then brings our also three layers of a worldview. Allegiance, commitment, leading to relationships. Truth, knowledge, leading to understanding. And then he talks about source of power, leading to freedom. He he also makes difference between observational knowledge, intellectual knowledge, and experiential knowledge. And then I have another theory, and it's uh, from psychology, psychology of worldview. Kotko Rivera in 2004, he speaks about uh, worldview, uh, and, and he says worldview are beliefs, descriptives or existential beliefs, where we think in terms of true or false, Evaluative beliefs, uh, in terms of good or bad, and then prescriptive or proscriptive beliefs, and some means or end of action is judged to be desirable or undesirable. What about scripture, foundation? I already mentioned we don't really have a worldview uh, term used in in the Bible, but uh, you can disagree with me or argue with me. I believe the Bible speaks about layers, Okay? So the one, the surface layer, it's obvious, I don't have any um, text, but uh, the deeper level of intuition hidden to others um, reflect in heart, think in heart, remember in heart, speak within heart, believe in heart. Our phrases occurring frequently in the Bible, hundreds of uh, occurrences using ver- the word heart actually in the Bible. And so you can see their own spirit within them say in your heart, despite, despise him in her heart. You remember that story. In her heart is a different than just despise. What's the difference actually? Okay. And then we, we could continue. This is far from complete. Inward thoughts of every one of them and the heart is deep. Thoughts within me, heart within me. I communed with my own heart and so forth. And then I would also refer to the deepest unconscious level that we may also have hints in the scripture. God knows the hidden parts of our hearts that we don't know from Psalm 139 when David is praying and he's asking, you know, God search me and see if I have fallen away from you and bring me back. And then also we, hear, we read about him who knows the secrets of the heart, who weighs the heart. And he also took hold of Israel by their heart, whatever that means. The Lord forms the human spirit within a person. And he who searches our heart, he knows. I don't know how you see that, but that sort of gives me an idea. There is something hidden that even we don't know about ourselves. And so, here comes uh, the purpose of my presentation, is to describe the profound impact and scope the invisible live software, or life app, if we can call it, our inner programming has on our attitudes, relationships, thinking, decisions, as well as actions. At the same time, we should remember that the worldview does not exist as an object. It's a construct that we humans create in an attempt to describe human perceptions of reality and our involvement in the reality. So you see the Life App. uh, It's an operational system that helps us to run everyday life. It's created by God. It started to function shortly after we have been conceived and gets upgraded every day. You know, I just came to this idea while... With my iPhone, sometimes I find it uh, annoying. It always reminds you, get upgrades, update, update. Uber, what else? <laughs> Skype, everything gets updated. What happens is these programmers that we trust them, they update by what they learn new and what's important for us to be able to effectively use these apps. So here we have Life app. And how can we apply it into our reading of the Bible, just give me a slight chance. Lord, my life app is outdated. Job 2020, my life app causes me to have an emotional storm. Job 32, 18, my life app got a buck. It's destroying me. Psalm 22, 14, my life app is in crisis mode. Psalm 48, my life app uses your laws as a source of meaning. Psalm 51.10, please give me a clean upgrade of my life app. Jeremiah 4.19, my life app is completely destroyed. I need to restore it. Okay, I I thought you would like it. Let's move a step further. So this is how I uh, would like to you to visualize for a second or for a moment for this presentation with me worldview worldview you see three colors and uh, and three shades only, not fifty shades, only three shades. okay We work with nine grids here, and let's first uh, look at the beliefs uh, so one scholar from social Work science sherwood. Uh, reminds us that worldviews give faith-based answers to a set of ultimate and grounding questions. It's faith-based understanding of the universe and persons. Examined or unexamined, implicit or explicit, simplistic or sophisticated, one way or another, we develop functional assumptions that help us to sort through and make some sort of sense out of our experience, and every person's worldview will always have a face-based component. Okay. And so, you've already seen my treatment of the scripture text. We can see three layers. One is visible, conscious, one hidden, intuitive, and below is invisible, unconscious or subconscious. And then we also see the colors, which represent the more affective, and then cognitive, and then practical uh, side of our worldview. In the domain of worldview beliefs, it is one thing to suppose, and one thing to actually believe. It's a matter of feeling, says uh, one psychologist. James refers to the emotional. To the emotion of belief. Where a proposition arouses the believing reaction, we consciously and or intuitively perceive that proposition to be real or true. When proposition fails to create this feeling, we doubt and perceive such thing to be unreal. I thought that was interesting. Okay, uh, th- there is another uh, slide showing uh, this uh, illustration comes from scholars from University of Technology from Sydney, Australia, actually. In 2017, they published study where they focused on sustainable education and uh, they actually uh, are cre- they have created TFWB, which is transdisciplinary framework of worldviews and behaviors to describe the possible formation and expressions of a worldview, a complex constellation of meaning and identity from which all human conduct emerges. Four key principles arising from the TFWB. Number one, the whole embodied nervous system is greater than the sum of its separated parts, especially when it comes to intelligence and learning. Second, the mind is a highly emotion uh, dependent and mostly unconscious entity. Third, a worldview is unique arrangement of meaning each person builds and lives through. And number four, increasing self-awareness about how a personal worldview is formed and expressed generates increasing opportunities for that individuals to explore and build a different meaning for their experience or to explore and choose different forms of behavior. The next slide. Okay, so what you see here is actually where we are located, where we locate ourselves. This is our pride and to a degree this is our blindness. Uh, You may argue with me, but uh, somehow I see that as Seventh-day Adventists, we place a great focus on cognitive. Are you with me? What it does with us? Okay. there is a story, one lady that attended our church, at the end of the worship there was a prayer and because the worship, the sermon was on John 5, uh, at the end there was a prayer, thank you Lord that we don't have to be afraid of hell. That caught her attention. In the week, through Skyping, what did you mean? Tell me more. So we start to explain what we believe, you know, uh, Nefesh, uh, Ruach and uh, all these terminology, And she suddenly realized that the deep fear that she had as a Christian, charismatic Christian of hell, that is not, that is basically based on error, arrogance I mean, ignorance. And it, the way it helped her to experience new joy in life, I was fascinated. And I was think, I was surprised how the belief system that we have can help change life. Okay? And I believe we like these stories. But unfortunately, this is not all we have. There is much more to it. And my question is, is information always all we need? Does it solve all our problems? Westerners are taught that objectivity, the examination of fact in a logical way without the intrusion of emotional bias, is the mature and constructive approach to human affairs. Are you with me? One of the result of this belief is that in Western culture, subjectivity, which means a willingness to allow allow personal feelings and emotions to influence one's view of events, represents immaturity. Our mind, our ideas, beliefs and assumptions drive our emotions, feelings, and values, which in turn shape our decisions and choices, and these determine the kind of lives we will lead. They also shape the kinds of societies we live, we live in. And we like to have our mind controlling our emotions. But is it always like that? Human reason isn't primarily oriented toward truth. We hear from m- Mercier and Sperber, but rather towards finding support for what we already believe. Okay. When we look at something what we've heard today already, biblical worldview, Adventist worldview, where is it focused? Where is it rooted? What, what are we really thinking about when we go to the church, when we go to the seminary? What is nurtured? Our reasoning, our intellect, our logic, yes? Is that really how we can develop a healthy worldview? Let me give you an example. Recently we did a global church member survey and we're still working on the results. It's not public yet, so this is just foretaste. 65,000 surveys gathered from 13 divisions. And here's the thing, 90% of Seventh-day Adventists, we can say because we have a representative sample, believe in our state of the dead doctrine. When people die, their bodily remains decay and they have no consciousness or activity until they are resurrected. And yet, 33%, every third person, can you imagine in this room, every third person, believe that soul is a separate spiritual part of a person resurrected. and lives on after death. Isn't it interesting? Let's take a closer look at the 33%. They represent all age groups, both genders. Third of them employed in the past or presently in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Half of them have children home, over half have SDA education. One third single, not married. And 87% of them agree with this SDA belief that I just stated in the beginning. Two in five dualists also believe that people who have died believing in Christ are in heaven right now. One in four believe that the dead have power to communicate with and influence the living. One in four believe that Christian may go to which doctors? For healing and for improvement. So what does it say about uh, our worldview? Do we have one unified, one color, one shade worldview? No, we don't. Faith is not just a matter of argument and logic. Faith is also emotional. We believe because we feel it is right. But we are often blind to it. While people accept the logic of our fundamental beliefs, they do not always feel it is right. Not always do the belief root in their heart. Someone may have argued emotions are bad and we should avoid them. Well that assumption has become rather foolish in light of the discoveries both in the scripture and in the science. And so how do we address it? This slide I have created based on this week's events. People may experience feeling of disorientation and emptiness when their worldviews are shaken. Worldview crisis may evoke the danger of meaninglessness. It is the nightmare par excellence in which the individual is submerged in a world of disorder, senselessness, and madness. That's actually from this book, Worldview and Mind. And I thought I would have to share with you these paragraphs because that may, for some people, become a reality in what's happening in our church right now. Religion and cultural worldview are powerful instruments of identity And when a people is faced with threats to them, they drive to defend and reinforce identity, can produce a combustible polarization, us and them. And there is a war. We might prefer to a quick, straightforward physical death, to the haunting symbolic death of loss of meaning, loss of world, loss of identity, by the defeat of our imaginative hero project. Two more paragraphs: Regression, or sorry, repression makes us unconscious of our deepest motivations, and especially of the twin fears of life and death. So what emotions will motivate us as we go further, And we have to decide how do we relate to what's happening in our nice, beautiful religious world? For a worldview to achieve stability, it must be internalized. That is, incorporated into consciousness in such a way that it is deeply ingrained to the point that it becomes virtually automatic. And we must learn to act consciously and carefully rather than unconsciously and stupidly, said Webb in his book Worldview on Mind. Okay. So here is the color that sort of stays behind, presenting freedom, presenting the practical, the behavioral, the orthopraxy, that we place also a large focus on, but somehow not everyone knows how to deal with that. Not everyone knows how to work with that. Sometimes the solution is to experience God's power. We cannot fight power problem with uh, knowledge or truth, but only with power, says Kraft in his book Appropriate Christianity. So the fact that we have remedy for everything we have in the logic, in the information, in the intellectual information, might be disastrous. Are you you following what I'm trying to say here? there is a contrast between the American focus on knowledge and the focus of other societies on relationships and spiritual power. The Bible is very strong on relationships and power, by the way, that's what Kraft says. If I had time, I would show you uh, another book. Uh, It's a dissertation called Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview. It's fascinating. Do you know, have you heard? that the founders of that movement were involved in astrology heavily. They were. Smith was involved talking with dead people. How does that, you know, and the, the current uh, leaders sort of try to deny, deny, but this person, I don't know who it is, but he took years to discover all the documents and he put t- together, he m- mapped how Basically, magic is part of Christian faith that claims, the, you know, this is the truth. Interesting. And I just thought of the worldview, how these three layers, sometimes we treat them, we're blind to them. And then there is the other side, the emotional, of course. Our worldview, life app, greatly influence volition, affect, cognition, and behavior. Colesco-Rivera uh, psychologist says. Nilsson says, our increasing knowledge of how humans, human decisions are often driven by cognitive and affective mechanisms involving, for example, intuitive gut-level moral responses and cognitive heuristic and biases rather than deliberate reasoning suggest that we are really not as rational as we think. Affective knowledge is a different kind of knowledge and cannot be reduced to cognitive knowledge. How much do we work with that? According to Kraft, this is the first and most important of the three dimensions, relationships, relational. The other two dimensions, the green and the red, are intended to support this one. There is a study that brought love to my uh, 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 face. Researchers are studying the role of emotions in global warming, policy support, and opposition. I thought it would be interesting if we had a study on the role of emotions in policymaking in our church. Especially in recent days. Wouldn't that be interesting? If we ran out of scripture, huh, we can, you know, enlarge. Anyway, okay. Emotional experience experiences are so much richer and more nuanced today than we previously thought. Do we work with that? Craft brings to our attention important observation. We can only fight relational problem, allegiance problem, with allegiance. We cannot really fight it with information. In the North America, there are weak relationships with young adults, and we cannot fight it with the truth. We have to address it relationally. And so what brings me to just one minute? There will be an article written, so you can read it later. Let's just read what we have here. How often do you upgrade your life app? Who is the source of your upgrade? Is it trustworthy? Are you doing your part of the upgrade and let God do his part? How do you help others with their life app? And the last picture, here, okay. So, my answer to so what, it's very important to have awareness of our worldview more than ever and simply pay more attention to three colors of learning, not just intellectual, emotional, social, and all other learnings. Have experience, allow ourselves to be educated by experiencing something. And experiencing, actually, what we do, mission. To have balanced religion that will not us, not will not lead us to a terror, to war, to uh, fanaticism, but to a more balanced view of life, and also to avoid blindness. Okay. Last paragraph. You see, systems can be taught, but worldviews are caught. Systems are prone to catechetical instruction and affirmation. Worldviews capture our heart and imagination. Systems tend to be static and timeless. Worldviews are dynamic and historically situated. With our knowledge of the Bible, it is self-awareness and self-reflection that is a key to fulfilling our mission and being one with God both as individuals and as a church. Change is possible, but it can't be done by remote control, nor can it happen somewhere in the production line of our evangelistic meetings. God wants to change our heart. Only He can do that. It is His business, and we can either stand in a way or be His instruments. To be His extended arm means that we avoid worldview blindness. We stop being blind to worldview pluralism in our culturally diverse church. And it also means that we will have compassion for lost and young people who are often paralyzed by worldview schizophrenia. May God help us as we go through the major crisis of Adventist worldview, which definitely goes beyond our cognitive realm so we may experience unity in diversity and may be part of his powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. May God give us wisdom to support each other and recover soon. Thank you.